I'm amazed how many people own stocks. Welcome to the Playing Footsie Podcast. My name's Paul, and each episode, me and the lads get together to talk about the stocks, stock market news, and finance in general. Quick disclaimer, you shouldn't consider anything in this podcast as personal financial advice. If you need such advice, go to a financial advisor. And please remember, when investing in any form, your capital is at risk. So sit back, relax, and let the lads fill you in with all the stock market news of the week. The sucker's going up. It was the night before Christmas, and Paul was in bed, with thoughts of investing going round in his head. He was dreaming of stocks like Apple and Twitter, and Peloton, whose share price has gone down the sh... Mm, shouldn't swear we're monetized now. The bargains, he thought, as he lay there awake. I'm glad I sold half of my stocks by mistake. Steve D's year in stocks had not been that good. His portfolio was down, a bit like Kathy Wood. But he thought to himself, there's nothing to fear. I'm still in the market, and I will be next year. Things are bound to get better, so I'm going to try to not lump it in and to gradually buy. And to turn up each week with Paul and with Steve. And what time does the market open on Christmas Eve? Steve W was awake thinking about Warren Buffett and 2022 and exactly how tough it had been for himself and for Steve and for Paul as they watched their portfolios continually fall. It's a season of goodwill, he thought, to the folk who've been putting up now with my teledoc joke for what seems like forever, but maybe let's see if things will be better in 2023. This year at Playing Footsie, we've gone through 1,000 subscribers to bore, to amuse, to arouse and to thank, because really, we all of us know that without you, there simply would not be a show. So to all of you who've watched us this year and before, Merry Christmas, one and all, and thank you once more. The sucker's going up. Welcome, everyone, to the Playing Footsie podcast. It's Steve D, Steve W, and what a brilliant poem that was to open. This episode is all about our year in review and our opinions on the events that happened, the big events that happened within this year. First of all, though, we're going to say to Steve D and Steve W, How's your week been, and uh, how's the stock market for you at the moment? Hi, Steve. Hi, Paul. Merry Christmas. Uh, the stock market's closed right now, but it's not been that great over the last week or so, if I'm honest. It's mostly been going downwards in my portfolio. Uh, outside of that, though, I've been taking the time to think about some other more sort of seasonal events. I've sent Steve a picture that he can pop up about now of a gingerbread house that I decorated. It's the first time I've decorated a gingerbread house, actually, ever. Uh, I bought this one kind of ready to assemble so the fact that the pieces don't really fit together is not my fault uh, but you can see that fairly appallingly bad job of icing it that i've done there along with uh, my four-year-old assistant uh, helping me that absolutely is on me it's good fun though uh, i don't recommend it the icing tastes horrible but it's been a nice week apart from that very nice very nice i, I when i was away for whatever it was in the summer i think it was in center parks or something i painted a gingerbread man it was the first time i've ever painted a gingerbread man i thought it'd be quite therapeutic it took like three hours and when i finally got it and you couldn't tell which bits you'd painted and which bits you hadn't which you'll be able to tell one day when i eventually show you it because i missed half of it um so it's like one of the worst painted gingerbread men you'll ever see in your life i've got it pride of place just up on my bookshelf over there. Um, it's a, it's a, it's an absolute disaster. But uh, in terms of my week, uh, week's been all right. Um, on we were supposed to be working till Wednesday, but there's absolutely nothing to do in the building industry at the moment. So we got let go uh, on Tuesday at midday. So that was that was great. Basically, went into work on Tuesday. Work said, uh, "What would you like for breakfast?" We were like. Oh, awesome. You know, I'll have a bacon sausage and hash brown sandwich. We ate that. We sort of sat around for a bit thinking, why are we having this today and not on Wednesday? And then they said, you know, off you go. So I've been home for 
the whole week. As I've told Steve, sat around in my pants waiting to record this podcast. How about you, Paul? Um, it's been a bit of a rough week, to be honest, because I'm back home and it's bloody freezing. And I really can't take how cold it is at the minute. But also, uh, yeah, my work life hasn't been as, as good as yours recently. In case you haven't heard, we were on strike um, and that caused a few problems. Um, big things um, happening, though, for me. Hopefully, pretty soon, I'll be back out and working uh, pretty well. In the stock market, the stock market's been tanking i'm just looking at my portfolio now uh pretty oh we've we've gained on the day uh which has been pretty good so um well yeah we're sitting pretty still i'm i'm very close to invest reinvesting the full amount back into the market very very close uh one day i'm just gonna smash it all back in but today we are going to talk about the year in review. We're going to talk about the top stories that we liked in the review and give our um, in the year and give our opinions of that. A um, couple of notable uh, events during the year. This is the year that Russia invaded Ukraine. We're not going to talk much about that. Um, it's the same year where England won a major tournament in football and lost the major football uh, football and tournament with the women's. Uh, England football team winning the Euros and the men's uh, losing in the quarterfinals. Did you guys watch that game? I can't believe that was this year. I can't believe that was this year. I feel it feels like years ago that happened. Yeah, I, I'm looking through this list on Wikipedia right now, and there are some things in here I thought happened years ago. Considering the second half of this this year, I mean, we've got monkeypox outbreak started in May. That feels like it was forever ago because that's disappeared now, hasn't it? Um, <clears throat> uh, it was the end of the COVID nineteen pandemic. Did that feel like this year, or did that feel like uh, quite a while ago? Uh, it feels like it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah what is, yeah what true uh and uh, i was looking for things in january but uh, there to be fair we had quite a small not 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 a very eventful january so um it's it's uh quite interesting the first thing that happened on january 1st was uh the largest free trade area in the world comes into effect australia brunei cambodia china japan laos New Zealand, Singapore, Thailand, and Vietnam all came together for a comprehensive economic partnership. So that's the first thing that happened this year, and I don't even remember that happening. So there you go. But we have a few of our favorite stories to talk about this year. Uh, how are we going to structure this one, guys? Because do you just want to take the take this away, and uh, we'll talk about whatever we saw very interesting in the year. So, I mean, my favourite story of the year was um, was the, FD, the FTX fallout, really, is what I'm going to call it. So um, there was a, a period of time last year where um, Sam Bankman-Fried was like the poster child of, of crypto. Even though crypto was uh, falling, he was kind of like the saviour. He was the front man of crypto. He was the saviour of crypto. He was pledging billions of pounds to save Voyager. He was pledging billions of pounds to save BlockFi. He was looking after customer assets that had been... Uh, uh, been used unscrupulously at these exchanges and really at no point did anybody think to themselves where's this billions and billions of pounds coming from because they'd not had any really really huge capital raises in the way that they would have this kind of money lying around to 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 bail out these exchanges and, and look after them and uh, but that question was never asked for some reason um basically uh ending in uh <clears throat> their 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 partner firm Alameda Research was uh, 
using commingled customer funds or allegedly using commingled customer funds. We don't know that yet, although uh, there's been enough statements out there to say that that's fairly likely what was going on. So essentially, he was bailing out other crypto exchanges with your money, uh, the money that you had on the exchange, which is obviously a, a, a massive no-no. Uh, he fled to Barbados, but has since been extradited back to America. He, I think he extradited himself. Uh, and in the process, we found out that the two co-founders, uh, I think he's called Gary Wang and Caroline Ellison, um, they have basically dubbed him in. They've they've done a sweetheart deal with the uh, with the with the feds. They have said this is exactly what happened. So uh, really smart move by the feds. Let's just like let's just say there was quite a lot of people who who were gunning for uh, Sam Bankman Freed. None of them released it until the um, until the um, Bahamas police had him in custody and then once they had him in custody they released all of their charges all together and he was extradited back to the US. There was no jump in the gun, there was nobody trying to, you know, step on each other's toes as they did it. It was a really smart piece of uh, of policing and the truth's coming out now and it looks really bad and um, yeah, I think this has been a, a really big story for the crypto world. I don't think the crypto world is finished but as far as I'm concerned about it now, I have, I have zero interest in, in crypto whatsoever. It's just a footnote in, in history for me. I, I think in terms of credibility, it's completely completely shot to bits. What, what did you guys think about it? It was the amount of investors that were involved in this, doing little to no due diligence. And he was even telling them, when they asked for proof of capital and things, he was just saying, we don't have any audited accounts. And they just went, oh, okay, then we'll we'll give you Sequoia Capital, uh, Altimeter Capital. Uh, who else was there? Three um, Arrows Capital. Yeah, BlackRock. You know, these big investors just did very little due diligence on this and jumped on the bandwagon. But what I must say um, is I disagree with you completely on crypto being dead. I'm very surprised that you actually said that because surely you see some validity in the crypto space itself. You, you must see some actual use case there and, and that it's possible. I mean, obviously, without reg regulation, yeah, a lot of these places are, are just allowed to do whatever they want with the money. And I suppose that's the risk that you you have to take to get in early here i suppose but um no i don't i don't feel like crypto See, itself the is the ones that dead. with any validity are not the ones that are pushed to the forefront though the the, the only ones that mm. get pushed to the forefront are the ones that are all bollocks the ones that have really bad tokenomics the ones that are um you know using the token as collateral to buy failing exchanges the ones who are using their token as collateral but also selling other people's collateral to crash other exchanges. It's, it's just a massive load of scammers <laughs> basically doing yeah. all the things we learned were wrong in the banking system and regulated yeah. out of the banking system ages ago. That's the problem we've got. Yeah. Is that like, I know history is like doomed to repeat itself here, but we really are just making like stupid mistakes and giving stupid people lots of money to do stupid things. And a lot of the times, a lot of people say, well, look at this. This thing can do this. Uh, and that's great. Yeah, but like, you know, like, I often watch ISA investors videos because I like to see what he's invested in. He says, but look at this crypto thing, Audius, it's great. Well, Audius is great, but we've got Spotify. We don't need Audius unless you can give me some markedly different... Uh, like benefit over it and the benefit is what you can sell monkey jpegs you know with your artist signature yeah, on it. that's not decentralization that's just another load of uh, 
it's just another load of crap. I just, I just, I think until, I think the whole point of crypto, now that they're sort of like the fog of, of hype has been removed from it, has to be fully explained again to people and say like, well, go on, and what are you actually trying to do? Because if it is about selling monkey JPEGs and, and, and really crap tokenomics and scamming people and pump and dumps and what have you, then I'm not interested anymore. See, I think it needs to get regulation, um, first off and once it gets regulation i think there is there's real possibility here for crypto and then after the regulation you need to solidify the top crypto tokens coins whatever you want to call them uh as as a standard of money and then you need to allow certain companies to be able to create tokens that are actually of value because at the moment these people that are creating these tokens like i don't know jake paul or something like that have absolutely no value they're literally selling you it so you can have it right whereas i personally believe if manchester united were to sell you a crypto token uh that allowed you access to uh, a year-long access to one of their seats now there's value right there's there's actual benefit of um of crypto you're cutting out a lot of middlemen you can exchange that on their crypto exchange without anyone from uh manchester united having to get involved you can sell that without anyone without anyone having to get involved so there's definitely things in there that can be done but you're right it needed this complete reset and in my opinion with you saying something like oh i don't want any any part of it that surely um for those speculators out there at least that's surely the time for us to be getting involved right while it's right on its knees well that's if if you want to get involved in it that's 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 all well and good but i feel like i've had a bit of a reckoning this year about crypto in that i actually think it's all i i am before i thought munger perhaps was just trying his hardest not to understand it i actually think munger pretty much understands it and he's right about 99.99 percent of the projects that are out there they're all crap but the issue is, is that i now don't back myself to pack to pick the 0.0001% of them that are actually going to create any value. And thus, I don't actually back anybody's ability to do that insofar as I think they're almost all destined to fail because of that. Now, I think centralized digital currencies are quite interesting, but as people have pointed out in exchange, uh, in, in Discord, sorry, that they want to make them programmable. So, i.e., if we were to give out benefits via uh, via a great British Bitcoin or whatever, a Britcoin as they want to call it, uh, that would mean that when they hand that out to people, they would only be allowed to spend that benefit on food and housing and things like that. So it's kind of a restrictive benefit. And I don't know whether I haven't thought about this enough on a sort of philosophical level, whether I actually agree with that or not, whether I think that's fair that people would receive a benefit and they would only be able to spend it in a in a very constricted sort of way. Now that's a use case for a centralized coin, but I don't really like it. I don't think that's there's there's anything there. So that makes me think, well that's an interesting use case, but that's not Bitcoin and that's not Ethereum. So what what's gonna happen with these? Where is the actual where is that feature that I need that is better than anything else that's out there that is can't be replaced, can't be bettered. And I, I you know what? I don't know where it is. I don't know what it is. I just there's not there's nothing when you look at these projects and you think 
I can't, I couldn't do that elsewhere. Like your idea of the Man United thing, that's called a season pass. And if you wanted to like give your season pass away or sell it to somebody, then you could still do that. And most season passes now come on an app on your phone. And, and if they tokenise it and you decided you didn't like Manchester United anymore and you wanted to be a Manchester City fan and you wanted to sell your season pass, then what, Manchester United get another cut of that? Is that something we really want to do? I'm not so sure, to be honest. I mean, what do we want? Tokenised JPEGs of Marcus Rashford or, do you know what I mean, or the Red Devils? whatever he is, the mascot, I, I just, I, I can't get excited about anything in crypto. And this might be the bottom. It might be me finally losing my cool. It might be the bottom, but I don't care. <laughs> I don't want anything to do with it. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Munger has called this 100%. And the only thing, and, and this might be a, be a thing, that's, uh, this is going to be a trend, I think, with this show, is how long it takes for some of those predictions to actually come true. You know, it can, you know, you see Munger and Munger has been calling it a, a scam or at least uh, calling the exchanges a scam for a good few years now. And it went up and up and up. And these big companies continued to get fat off it and then very lean off it. And um, now we've got, now he's right. And, it, and it, it's incredible to see that all these old people who were booming and way over the hill on this one, they have got this correct and they saw it coming a mile off. But that usually tells me, you know, something something like Munger and, and Buffett, that usually tells me that gives them an opportunity if they see any value in it. But like you say, nothing has actually changed. And I completely agree with that. But I still see validity in the process. I mean, Visa is currently trying to start its own centralized uh, processing uh, at the moment, and it kind of has the power to process it. But still, you're creating a centralized system. Uh, the whole point of Bitcoin Ethereum is this decentralized system and where that plays a part in a, in uh, a world where all the countries, companies, everything like that have created their own uh, their own singular centralized currencies. Cause it could be, it could be a mental. Can you imagine a world where it does get mental and Manchester United re uh, releases its own coins. I mean, I know this is done in real life as well, but imagine, or Disney. Let's talk about Disney. That's an even better example of this, where Disney releases its own, uh, centralized coins and calls them, uh, Disney books or something like that. And, uh, uh, you know, it's it, it becomes its own currency and you can only spend that money there. Uh, the exchanges that, and the exchange rates that we've got to come up with in that is, is incredible, which would make it more complicated. That, that would be another win for the Simpsons, wouldn't it? Because there's itchy and, scratch, itchy and scratchy land uh, money that Homer buys and you can only spend it in Disneyland and only some of the shops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this, this is it. I, I do think that Disneyland has its own currency. Uh, I don't think it gives you any discount or anything like that. It just, it's just a currency that you can, can exchange and spend in the shops. Um, Obviously, that takes manpower where the idea of these centralized and decentralized cryptos is to maintain it, like maintain it away from the, from the, uh, um, the, uh, the manpower. But the question I want to ask you, right, is the one that's been blasting my mind is how the hell did Sam Bankman get 250 million for his bail? <laughs> Well, apparently his mum and dad put it up, didn't they? So that's what I understand. His mum and dad are, are his mum and dad is rich. Or, 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 yeah, they're, they're lawyers of some, uh, yeah, obviously. Um, yeah, of some, just, and apparently he, mm. uh, I would imagine the, the, the 
again, allegedly, is that he's been funneling some of his cash out to his mum and dad as well. So I assume that's that's probably OPM, other people's money. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, the other things that just came out that, Steve, sorry, I don't know if you, you wanted to chime in on crypto. You don't look particularly enthused about it. But the other things <laughs> that quickly came out of it was that they were running a $32 billion business on QuickBooks, uh, which is meant to be for plumbers. And um, the vast majority of their internal com- uh, comms and uh, and meetings were all done via Slack, and everything was set to auto delete. So they have actually no corporate trail whatsoever. The auditor Paul, his address was registered in Decentraland. Steve, do you know what Decentraland is? <laughs> no. Decentraland wow, is that... a metaverse with about thirty people who use it, and that's where the oh. auditor for FTX was registered, and nobody realised. Huh. <laughs> that's crazy that i didn't know that one that's mental obviously lots of companies bought a lot of uh real estate in decentraland didn't they uh famously snoop dog has has a place in central decentraland and everyone was trying to buy how uh fake houses next door to him because it was the next big thing or was it sandbox sandbox was the other one as well wasn't it mm, sure. um mm. yeah so it's yeah crazy the real estate on that was uh, i think it was something like four four million uh for a plot of land in in decentraland and uh they're currently going for something like 1600 this just seems like that whole excess liquidity we had that drove growth stocks up to and and kathy wood style stocks all the way up to those to those highs exactly the same thing has happened in crypto there's just excess liquidity people throwing into crap and now it's all blown off the top I now wonder yeah. what happens from this point forward. Like, I don't think any of us are, we're not, I mean, we're looking at some growth stocks, but we're not rushing to get into the sort of like, you know, we'll, we'll call them what they are, uh, shit curves that I'm mm-hmm. buying. None of us are particularly rushing in that direction, but there is sort of areas of growth that we're sort of dabbling into where we think they have, they have decent futures. I don't see many people saying, well, I'm not going to bother with stocks at the moment. I'm, I'm going to go and buy Sandcoin or whatever you call mm. it earlier. I think that's crypto's biggest problem. And that might be an opportunity, but it also might be the fact that this was just a fad. And, uh, you know, a lot of these things are going back to zero because the top 10 of crypto, if you look back at it even five years ago, those top 10 are not the top 10 that were there. I mean, Bitcoin and Ethereum have been there for quite a while, but a lot of the others have gone to nothing or gone to pretty much nothing or, or have been yeah. completely rugged. Um, and I think we're going to go through that again. And whether Ethereum and Bitcoin come out of that stronger or ever get to the kind of highs that they're at, I mean, I don't think so. I'm, I, 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 I think really I care. think it's consolidation. I think it's consolidation. I don't think I don't think you're. Uh, I, I think you're thinking this is going to zero when this is. This is consolidation now. People are coming out of the market and they're, they're dropping all the shit coins or they're, they've lost all their money. Basically, Sam Bankman Free has just taken everyone's crypto money. Back to money. McDonald's. Yeah. And, you know, they, they are going to, they're going to get, get the hope again. But I think, at least I'd hope, these people who are, by, I mean, I'm going to make big generalizations here, but these are all young uh 20 to 30 somethings as they grow a bit older they are going to consolidate into the main two which have a bit more clout about them bitcoin i think less but i think ethereum has has real clout and real use case and um i think that you're going to see a consolidation back into that on the next big bull cycle but i think everyone is going to wait for that big bull cycle to happen i think I personally think that it's got a lot longer to go down. I think the whole market's got possibly got a lot longer to go down. And um, 
you, I, I'm I'm still buying. Like I, I won't lie, I'm still buying Ethereum. You know, every couple of months I'll put a hundred quid in. Don't get me wrong, I'm not buying loads, but um, I don't think I want to stop here. I'm. I think I haven't checked it in a while. It's one of those ones where I've had to turn it off. Um, but it, I think it's it's about sixty percent down. Which, to be honest with you, uh, uh, most stocks are around that are around sixty percent down now. So I don't feel like I'm I've I've lost out, and particularly by buying Ethereum at certain points. Yeah, so I'll just weigh in a little bit on this one. I've been sitting on the sidelines of this discussion and I've got plenty wrong in 2022 and before. But the crypto stuff is something that I haven't found it terribly difficult to just sit and watch. I haven't really felt the draw to be kind of hooked into this one. Previous listeners of the podcast will have either heard me sitting quietly, if you can hear such a thing, or heard me making comments about that display my lack of an understanding of this kind of thing at all. I was interested in the idea that Visa are, are trying to build out their own kind of versions of this sort of stuff. It's not so long ago, at least in my memory anyway, a couple of years maybe at most, that crypto was going to be the thing that basically ended Visa and MasterCard and their kind of um, duopoly dominance of rails. We were going to have new rails, which would uh, leave the old rails defunct and so on and so forth. And this is very much gone. The thing I'm kind of interested in from the Munger perspective here i mean he's an old guy and old people tend naturally to be a bit more skeptical of changing things and sometimes they're right about that and sometimes they're wrong about that um and so far we're going with the idea that charlie munger's right about that let's see what the next few years brings i guess a year ago he was wrong about it but his his main thing about crypto is that it's particularly conducive to criminal activity in a way that other things aren't because look you can make the point against him perfectly well that Look, there's been fraud and scandal at Wells Fargo. There's been fraud and scandal at American Express. There's been fraud and scandal at Wirecard. These are not crypto things. Um, there's plenty fraud and scandal going on anywhere else, but directly we see something going on in FTX. Oh, look, it's all crypto and crypto is terrible and therefore we should get rid of crypto and so on. Um, do you think that, Steve, there's anything sort of particularly conducive to this about crypto? I mean, this looks like a kind of extreme example, sure, but... Um, we get fraud and stuff anywhere else. Crypto particularly bad for this sort of thing. Is Munger right about that? I don't think he is. No, I don't think it is particularly conducive to to uh, fraud and to to criminality. I think that happens pretty much everywhere. I think there's always a short report coming out that says, you know, this is a fraud and this is, you know, that's a fraud. And I mean, we've had it with Nanox and recently with DLocal and uh, Ehang was one as well in in China, and there's a I remember the the large forestry company in China that didn't actually have any trees. Um, you know, we're constantly having, uh, constantly experiencing fraud. But is it conducive to fraud? It has to be because it's not regulated. Uh, when it's not regulated, there is always a likelihood that that's a very good place to go, and you know. And do you fraud? Now, I'm not talking about the top level. I don't necessarily think at the top level of the top 10 coins that there's a particularly high amount of fraud in that. But in the lower end of the stuff, the the, the stuff that Logan Paul's putting out, was it CryptoZoo and things like that? That's got scam written all over it. They've been pump and dump rug pulls. I mean, if anybody here watches CoffeeZilla's channel, he's got he's got content to last him forever just going through these crypto scams and and you know like people being conned into putting hundreds of thousands of their own money before having the, the, just a rug pulled from underneath them and the creators walk off with all the money and it happens week in week out so it's, it is especially prevalent in the crappy coins of of crypto i don't think we've had many coins have we paul you'll be able to tell me this that have actually risen from being a crappy coin and 
and actually become a decent coin. I think the only one I could have thought of previously was Luna, but obviously that's gone. Uh, that's, Shiba uh, Inu. <laughs> Shiba, Shiba, yep, yeah, that's that's definitely one of them. Uh, but I remember Luna, that that was a a stable coin, wasn't it? Was it Terra that was a stable coin? One of the two. And that got depegged yeah. and has since gone Incredible. bust. And I think he's now he's now hiding from the South Korean police somewhere, isn't he, Do Kwon? So that's another kind of fraud. Um, but yeah, I think... It, it's not as prevalent as Munger tries to make it. I think Munger thinks this is kind of like where, you know, the money for child prostitution happens. I don't think that's necessarily the case. But white-collar fraud, the sort of financial fraud, yeah, there's loads of it. That's it, isn't it? It's I, I, I it, But if you create an environment where it's available, people are going to do it. Which, uh, it's which, the government's fault. Yeah, it begs the questions right now, what's going to happen? And I believe there's regulation coming. And I believe the regulation will will give things in crypto. I think your yours and my definition of crypto are quite different here because I don't look at any of the shit codes at all. I, all of that at the bottom is just... I, I get some of them to say they're doing amazing things, but all of that at the bottom, I just kind of go, no, that's all just a waste of time. And that's, that's the sort of... Um, they're the sort of coins that I would say, okay, let's wait. Let's wait and see if this is legit. And um, the ones that I'm, I've been investing in the whole time and the two top ones, because like you say, I can't pick that needle out of that haystack. And that is literally what it is. Well, it's not literally, figuratively what it is. <laughs> right. Um, let's move on to something else because that went over a little bit. Um, we are going to talk about the next one. I think Steve W's got it. Sure. Uh, my story that really caught me this year was Cathy Wood, and you might be wondering why that's the case. She's kind of been out of the news a little bit lately. Uh, and certainly the ARC stuff started going down last year. This isn't a 2022 unique uh, story. The reason it's kind of caught up to me now is that it's only in 2022 that it's really become what you might call a kind of underperforming um, thing on a five-year basis. So Cathy Wood has been breaking investing rules this year. Uh, rule breaker investing is a thing that we quite like on this show. But one of the rules of investing is don't fight the Fed. And Kathy Wood has been fighting and fighting and fighting the Fed. And it's been showing up in the returns on ARK-K, the flagship uh, ARK Innovation portfolio. So that's down 68% year to date. The S&P is down 20%. Berkshire Hathaway, just for comparison as a thing I like, is up by 1%. Um, but Kathy Wood always says, look, don't judge us on an individual year and we will underperform in a bear market. Fair enough. And she looks for a five year time horizon. So let's think about how it's done over the last five years. Then it's down 16.29% on a five year basis. The S&P is up 43%. Berkshire is up 53%. Um, and back since inception in 2014, these are slightly rough numbers because I don't have the exact date of ARK's inception to compare it to the S&P with. But roughly speaking, ARK is up 55%. The S&P is up 160%, uh, is up 90%, sorry, and Berkshire's up 160 So it's this year that ARK has really become a lagging thing on a long-term basis. And anyone who has invested in a Cathie Wood fund really ought to have been signed on to the idea that, yes, any fund can have a bad year. We will have bad years when interest rates rise. We will tend to win over time. Um, and what I kind of took from this is that, look, the ARK stuff really blew the lid off the um, stock market. It went pretty much vertical uh, a couple of years ago. And there was a good part of me that was thinking in the learning process along the way, OK, look, this is going to come down. It's not going to stay up there forever. But exactly how much is it going to come down? It's still going to be a winner when it comes down, right? Um, but as far as it went up, it's come down and further, which I guess is a lesson for me to say, 
to myself, well, it's never the case that these kind of gains are secure. I think, okay, you lose 10%, you're still up, what, 100 and something percent? You take that, uh, a back step like that. But it's gone all the way back here, and I'm trying to work out what's gone wrong, and it's largely speaking from what I can see of it, a combination of leaning into things that aren't winning and a combination of, I guess, what you can only call bad macroeconomic forecasting. So I was listening to an interview with Cathy last year uh, where she said everyone was getting interest rate rises wrong. Uh, I got them wrong too, by the way, more on that next week. But what she was thinking was there would be one interest rate rise in March and that would take interest rates to about 0.5 by the end of the year. They're actually at four and a half at the moment in the States, and that's been absolutely crushing, uh, the stuff from um, ARC and its things. So what do I? What else do I take from this? Well, ARC is basically what it is, which is to say it's a sector ETF. If you like speculative tech, you should go and buy ARC stuff. If you don't like speculative tech, you shouldn't go and buy ARC stuff. That's pretty much all there is to it. I think there's nothing more deep or more insightful than that. And it will do well when speculative tech does well, and it will do badly when speculative tech does badly. There's a guy who runs a short arc ETF uh, who basically decided that, look, he wanted to build that as a hedge against the stock market in general, because suppose you have a pessimistic outlook on the market in general. How can you re- how can you manifest that? You can be short the S&P, you can be short the... NASDAQ, but what are you mainly short there? Well, you're mainly short Apple and Microsoft and Google and Amazon and those sorts of things. It's not always a good idea to be short those because they operate quite defensively in a lot of cases. People run into those when they get scared. Much better, he was thinking, to be short stuff like Zoom and Teladoc and Roku and whatever else. They're going to get really pounded. So if you think the market's going down, get yourself short that thing. And he said, look, there's nothing at all the matter with what Kathy Wood does. The praise she was getting a couple of years ago was madly overdone for buying a load of speculative tech at what happened to be a good time for speculative tech. But also the criticism that she gets is highly unfair as well. Uh, It's basically like he said, buying a utilities fund and complaining that it's gone down when all the utilities have gone down. Of course it is. That's what it does. It's a sector bet thing. Nothing more, nothing less. To my mind, uh, since it's Christmas uh, on this, I would finish with a nice Bible quote for you. So Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says, Like everything, there is a time for these things, and a time for not these things. Basically, that's the case with Ark at the moment. It's kind of had a time for it, and no doubt that time will come again. Cathy Wood is telling you it will come again next year, which is sort of weird for someone with a five-year time horizon. But... Um, It's currently not been the time for these things, and I think the lesson I take from it is don't underestimate how bad things can go for something that's gone very, very well. This is going to be... We're going to beat the same drum here. I personally feel the reason why ARK did so well in uh, in that first year is because Tesla did very, very well, and she managed to pick a good forerunner. And that allowed her to spew a load of buzzwords out to people with a lot of liquidity, a lot of money, and get them on this massive media train. And that is basically what she did. Fair enough. She had a little bit of clout with Tesla. She did very, very well. Uh, even in the earlier parts of ARC uh, coming to the forefront, um, she had already done very, very well in Tesla. And she was on CNBC saying, she, you know, this is that, you know, this is going to be the biggest, the next biggest thing. Chamath, Chamath was doing exactly the same thing. But if I read on the front page of another company that they're innovative, that they're disruptive, I am going to absolutely shit myself because it's on everything now. It's on 
Rio Tinto's freaking uh, front page for the website. All of the miners, it's on all the healthcare stocks. It's, 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 it was the buzzword of 2022, uh, 2020 and 2021. And unfortunately, everyone got caught up in it again. And this is what we're seeing now. And I think even on my next one, it's going to be a pretty similar story. It's very much been a year for the people who think things are mainly going to stay the same, isn't it? So uh, crypto hasn't disrupted um, the way finance works. ARK's companies haven't disrupted anything significantly this year, or indeed the disruptive effect they've had seems to have fallen back in terms of market caps and share prices and so on. Very much a case for those who think, yeah, things are things are harder to disrupt than maybe we thought they were two years ago. See, I think this this portfolio has had a lot of quality drained out of it. <clears throat> Whereas before, I was you was looking at this portfolio and the top sort of five to eight companies, you'd think like, oh, they're pretty good companies, and sometimes they were even massively overvalued. I mean, they all became it at some point. But I think Tesla, uh, Square at one point, CRISPR. And Teladoc all did pretty well for Cathy up to a, a certain point. So she did look really golden at one point because essentially four of our biggest stocks were doing really, really well. But it became apparent, in for me at least, in the middle of last year that this just isn't a time to be buying something that doesn't have an earnings multiple or some free cash flow or at least even can get to that kind of, you know, could, could push for that kind of... Um, you know, to show the ability to generate some some kind of modicum of profitability. And and that's the problem I think I see with ARK's portfolio now is that she's pushed, she's moved away from the companies that were maybe on the cusp of profitability or could have been profitable or maybe even were profitable. And she's doubled down on the sort of companies that aren't profitable and aren't pushing towards profitability. Like, I mean, I'm looking at this top 10 now in this ARK list and we've got, I mean, we've got Zoom, which I guess is profitable, but it feels like a pretty uninspiring company. I feel like I've had enough of Zoom for like the rest of a lifetime. It's like Skype to me now, like something I will never turn on. Exact Sciences, yeah. Tesla has actually gone from a 10% weight to 6.4, but I think that was all Tesla's doing. Um, and then we've got things like Roku, Block, UiPath, Shopify, Teladoc, Beam Therapeutics, and CRISPR, all of which have uh, not very profitable um i think teladoc is on the cusp of profitability roku has been profitable but um it seems to be slipping away their, their revenue growth next year is going to be in... it's got nothing disruptive happening for it right now well uh, maybe roku's uh, connected tv advertising could could be disruptive but is it something that you want to put six and a half percent of your portfolio in i would argue not um and then mm -hmm. this is like shopify which to me shopify is not a disruptive company it's just a it's just a website building company um I'd, whether you or not you think that's disruptive or not um kathy's got about five percent of the arc portfolio in it so i don't know i feel like there's been a huge draining of coin look i don't want to i don't want to pick on kathy because i feel like that's all that happens but then this is the wrong time to be looking at Kathy and saying, like, let's judge her portfolio, I think, because, you know, you've just had that huge spike to the left and now we're yep. in the, the doldrums. Well, the market's in the doldrums as well. It's, you know, the Nasdaq's nearly had a correction in December, never mind, um, you know, never mind the, the year before where it, it almost certainly has. It's probably the wrong time to take the mick out, Kathy. But on the flip side, she doesn't really help herself. She goes on, like, TV saying, like, well, it's 40% returns from now and... They give those like really inane predictions and then they come up with that. I mean, did you see that ridiculous like EBITDA, how we calculate EBITDA 
um, mm, press release yeah, we put out, and it was like adjusted, and it was just like, just like, well, basically, what we do is we take EBITDA and we keep adding things back in until it's profitable, yeah. and then we say that company's profitable. Like that's not how you work it out. You can't adjust EBITDA like that. Uh, that's that's just that's just like, EBITDA is a bullshit metric as it is. Before you start like <laughs> trying to like feed extra things in to make it to make it look better. So I, I think she doesn't help herself. I would still bet from here that Kathy can actually improve this portfolio, but I I mean I wouldn't put my money there is what I'm saying. I could tell you in my head that I think they could probably do better from here. But I wouldn't back it to do it. You wouldn't, Steve, no, but do you think anyone else has been? I mean, if I asked you to guess say the, the amount of inflows or outflows from the RK fund uh net this is sorry, um this year, what would you what would you think? Well, sadly, I know the answer to this, Steve, and I think it's about one and a half billion of net inflows that uh, has happened to the uh, ARC funds. Yeah, very good. It's touching retail, that, though, isn't it? I read it was all real t retail, though, wasn't it? Yeah, that's my understanding. Yeah. Almost certainly, yes. I was trying to work out why that's the case, and I have a sort of optimistic explanation and a pessimistic explanation. Uh, my optimistic explanation is people are realising you should buy this stuff when it's cheap, not when it was two years ago and trading at 70 times sales or something like that. Uh, there may well be some sort of value in many of these companies that are not yet profitable, and they may well be worth waiting for in some cases if you can get them at the right price. Whether you can is much more likely now than it was two years ago. The more pessimistic thing is that the amount people are pulling out is a lot less because 60% of it is gone, basically. Yeah, so uh, it's, it's kind of exactly the same as Cathie Woods buys and sells. They're, they're, they're pulling it out of the bottom um, because they're panicking. This is the famous transfer of wealth. And I think, mm -hmm. unless you've got anything more on it, I think we'll move straight on to Tesla uh, this time and um, talk about a, the next big story of the year. I think this is, I think I, I wanted to talk about more about Tesla on this story because of the recent. 60% uh, price drop over the course of the year. And in particular, the price right now, I mean, what is it? One, two, four right now? Uh, $124 per share? It's an insane drop from a company that we thought might just hold on. Um, but it's uh, a lot of this has been down to famously Elon Musk. I did not want to bring him up, but he is literally too big of a story to talk about this year um he's done a hell of a lot of things and it's and indirectly or directly affected tesla's share price but i don't think it's anything to do with elon musk it is to a point obviously but um tesla's share price has i'm gonna i'm gonna say it mean reverted it's come back back to where where it should be it's come back to its earnings estimates and its sales estimates whereas before it was ridiculously overpriced and i think i said this two years ago that this would happen i didn't know when it was going to happen i think my predictions uh tune in next week uh would say that i thought it was going to happen in a couple of years but i always thought eventually this price was going to meet its earnings and i think this week that's what it's done it's met that you know all the i reckon all of the um discounted cash flow models are are bleeping in people's offices right now uh saying that tesla right here is a buy depending on how you feel about elon musk which is the next part uh you can disagree or agree and i'm, I'm sure you will but um uh, how uh, what i want you to do for you guys i want to ask you guys how you think Tesla's share price has got to here? Because I think I've made it quite clear how I think, or I can make it quite clear how I think Tesla's share price has got here. But there's there's definitely two different narratives out there. 
and uh, I'd love you guys to touch on that. Uh, I'll go first on this, then I haven't conferred with Steve on this, so we may say the same thing, and we may have wildly different ideas, but I'll take your word for it, Paul, that it's kind of mean reverted. I, I haven't looked at the numbers particularly on that, but clearly it's come down a long way from being very, very high. So why is it done that now, then, I guess is the question, rather than in sort of two years' time? Well, one answer is rising interest rates and uh, DCF calculators and so on. But look, Tesla never looked really... Anyone could do... You didn't need a DCF calculator to say that price was nowhere near those earnings uh, a year ago, even if you weren't sure how much it was out by. It was clearly far too high. So what suddenly caused people to start wondering about that? Well, I think it's the, a combination of two things um, that go into... Elon Musk no longer being able to distract people from the fact that Tesla's share price is way above where it ought to be. So this year they've done a stock split, for instance, uh, for no reason at all from what I can see of it, other than plausibly because the last time they split the stock, it went mad. But trying to pull that trick again to distract people and suggest that, and try and plough money into this thing is, uh, to my mind, a sign is running out of ideas a little bit in terms of trying to keep people's eye away from Tesla and exactly how far ahead of its fundamentals that share price has run. And I use that phrase advisedly. I'm not at all writing off the idea that its fundamentals will get there for what it's worth and that this will look cheap in the future. Maybe. Uh, I don't really have a strong enough view on Tesla. But I think for now, the kind of Elon show has no longer... Uh, we also had stuff about... Was Humanoid Robots this year or was that last year? Yeah, this it, year. It feels like one distraction after another, basically. And yeah. the distractions have become increasingly less plausible to me. So I think the sort of steam ran out a little bit on that and all of a sudden we started to look for valuation support because because humanoid robots and share splits didn't cut it. Uh, Steve? Well, I think you guys know my feelings about it in that, that Elon's attempts to distract people from the, the Tesla share price um, and basically make it a, a more of an Elon show has really just sort of like shown what a Wally he is. Uh, and I use that word very, <laughs> you know, I don't like, I don't like to call oh, him a Wally. You're going to get us demonetized here, mate. But, <laughs> but he, he is, uh, as you'll know, if anybody's on the Discord, they'll regularly know in the meme section, I'm sitting there winding up Moggy about the recent thing Tessa, uh, sorry, Elon has said and Elon has done. They're often very far apart from each other. He likes to say one thing and do something completely different. And I've got about a thousand, uh, thousand of those uh, of those tips something like spend 50 billion on uh twitter stock and then not actually want it and then uh do it anyway well look look elon's gonna love the fact that the tesla price is down 69 percent this year that's literally one of his favorite numbers so he'll be sat there giggling away he, 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 this you know this this will be right up his street but there are a number of problems at tesla and this is the fundamentals of tesla is still trading at 38 pe people think that's cheap well that's actually four times what what the average car company uh sort of p ratio that they will get uh, they usually trade it between eight and ten so when people say well it's not going to come down to 15 well 15 will still be a 50 percent premium to what the other car companies in and, and let's not lie to each other another year has gone by and tesla is still a car company because it did 95 percent of its revenues in, in car and the other five percent it lost money doing other things so um it's a car company still uh, and the humanoid robot was um as steve reminded me was just a joke it was just an absolute joke like it just looked terrible it, it looked like c3po and like the 80 Star Wars films or whenever they came out, it just looked awful. Um, so yeah, I'm just not, I'm not into Tesla and I've not been into Tesla since I owned the Tesla. Um, I think it's got, uh, the car has got considerably worse over the period that I've owned it and the sort of like, 
the excitement that you get, the, the 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 rush of when you put your foot down and it just zooms off. Like after a while, you're like, right, this is not this is not as interesting anymore. I remember when I first got it, I thought oh, I'm never ever going to get bored of this, and now. I am bored of it because if I put my foot down, it loses five miles over a mile. So, and I need that battery to get places. So, but, uh, just I've one question a... though on that one. Just one question on that one. Have you got back into a standard ice car and driven one of those and brought yourself back down to earth at all? We don't have any any ice cars at work anymore. So we have um, a BMW i3. We have. Um, uh, Hyundai Ionic 5, I think it is, and that's they're both EVs, and they both have the exact same, ooh, this is fast feeling, I'll soon get bored of that. Tesla just has less things in it, and more things that fall off it, and more <laughs> rain in the boot, so... I'd just, I'd just I, be very I interested that if you if you by the way there um steve obviously works for the man that owns all the gold in the world but um it's it, I, i'd just be very interested to to see you get back Cutie. into a standard <laughs> a standard uh car you know uh, uh, i'd love you to get into a toyota yaris and drive it and go oh yeah look at the talk on this <laughs> Maybe you should, uh, you know, every now and then just come come back to the poor people well, and and drive one of your cars. Just put no, you are right. Drive one of your cars. Yaris is poor, either. <laughs> my, my wife has an, an EV. She has a Vauxhall Mocha E, and uh, that is getting in that car is like getting in the past. Like is the it? um yeah the sat nav uh, it looks like it was drawn in Microsoft Paint and things like that you do <laughs> get in the Tesla and think it, it looks so much better you know the the, yeah. the screen but the the thing is that you come to realise with Teslas is that you're paying for the batteries which are markedly better than the well not markedly they are better though than the BMWs and the high end eyes the the iPad screen and the software on that is very very good and the power that you get from you know when you press the accelerator. That, that's mm. what you're paying for. That's all, though. But there is, there is nothing else in, in a Tesla except, like, the odd fart machine. And, you know, the, <laughs> the voice controls are pretty good as well, but they, they were very good in the BMW as well. So they, yeah. when people say the competition is is coming and people look at things like the mocker that we've got outside, they would say, well, Tesla's streets and streets ahead. But when you actually compare the Tesla to the Ionic 5 and the, the BMW, which they are, like, they're newer models, they're newer cars, you think start to think to yourself. Well, hang on a second. That gap is starting to, you know, is starting to, to, to. But also on to, price, um, right? The Chevy Bolt well, has come out, and uh, it's markedly cheaper. And a lot of people now who want EVs in America are buying the Chevy Bolt. They are picking up that car for half the price. I think it's half the price, and they they're getting an electric vehicle with relatively good talk you know it's and yeah and i mean everyone in silicon valley who hates him like is moving over to chevrolet but i don't want to do too much because it is part of i have a bear case for tesla next week it's in my it's in my predictions just to give a quick yeah spoiler. So i don't want to go over it too much but that does form part of my bear case in so in as far as i think elon has alienated a large part of his of his consumer base and i actually think the rest of the consumer base has just been fired so i think there mm. is quite a large <laughs> 
uh, gap there. But the, the other problem is as well is that the Chinese um, companies are actually starting to make their way into the EU as well. So you've yeah. got your Neos and you've got your BYDs and you've got your, uh, is it called Grand Peak or Giant Peak or whatever it's called? They're mm. all starting to do the same model that Tesla is. So it's, it's a, you know, you order it, you know, roll on, roll off delivery, you know, and it arrives at your door kind of thing. So I do worry but about Tesla in Europe. I think they're probably going to be okay in the US. And I mean, like, let's let's not forget that tes what Tesla's done is incredible. I mean, two or three years ago, if we were sat here and you were saying Tesla was going to be at whatever it's at, $400 billion valuation, uh, we would have laughed at you because the, the automotive industry is just impossible to break into. So Tesla does deserve credit for what it has done. But from here, I think it gets a lot more difficult. Yeah, I think I, I think I agree that uh, the current ICE companies out there, Ford, Chevy, um, BMW, would not be transit. Uh, VW would not be transitioning over to electric as quick as this to keep up if it had not been for Elon Musk and Tesla. But I think what we wanted to, or at least what I wanted to get over on this one, is that, is that I don't think that uh, the current dip or the current drop in te uh, Tesla's share price is solely down to the the seemingly idiotic decisions that Elon Musk has made this year. You know, we started the year by, you know, he's he's largely veering to the right and he's uh, he was talking about bringing Donald Trump back to Twitter and protecting free speech. And that's the, the argument there, at least on FinTwit, especially with the Tesla balls. The Tesla balls are out there saying, he's why is he good embarking on this project uh when uh, he's got he's got a a company that is slowing in growth and incre increasing in competition uh, it's arguable whether uh tesla is slowing in golf we, we'll certainly get onto that a different day um but he you know he's also shown a little bit of stupidity this year up until this year you could say that elon musk probably was a genius and and he uh, he, he played it very well. Everybody loved him. I think even uh, all three of us, to a point, loved him, uh, loved what he did. But then when he started this Twitter thing, started he bought sort of 8% of Twitter, I think he did. And then he wanted to sell his shares. So what he did, he tried to uh, get their share price up by offering a share, uh, by offering out uh, the ability to take it private for fifty four twenty. Um you know a, a joke like wh what is going on this is serious stuff and he waived all due diligence and di seemingly didn't realize that he entered into a binding contract that he was going to be forced to buy this company he didn't realize that it was very poor foresight and very poor I, I, I don't know how people on the discord and on twitter are arguing this how how are they arguing that this was this was foresight the one thing that they do come up with is that uh, Twitter is Tesla's only advertising platform, and to a point, I, I kind of understand that. That's the, the Elon Musk was the sole customer service provider uh, at Tesla, which was, uh, you know, an incredible thing to do, and and, and relatively smart thing for the time. Um, but we've, you know, he's moved this far ahead. Um, I'm. I tried to do a little digging on his uh, leveraged shares of Tesla. It turns out if 40% of his uh, shares are leveraged on margin and he could get margin called on them, but they are leveraged quite at quite a low price. I think uh, he leveraged these out, these loans out against his properties and things 
uh, very, 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 very early. And he's even sold a lot of those properties. So that's already been called and, and repaid those loans have. Uh, uh, so one of the worries was that he's putting Tesla's share Tesla share price uh, at at risk here, and a lot of people are still arguing that the these are the reasons why Tesla's share price is dropping. And I, I disagree, and I think you guys disagree as well. I think there's a genuinely a Tesla uh, a bull a Tesla bear case here where. Uh, Tesla was priced to perfection with its with its high multiple, and now the future isn't looking so certain. A lot of the other bets haven't started to pay off. The uh, the large Tesla Semi uh, has also been found to not have enough miles to travel across the country now. It needs 800 miles rather than 500 miles, so it's now only a short haul uh, Semi. Uh, that's only just come out this week as well. Uh, so things aren't going as perfectly as the share price first said, and that's what I think is is the problem here. Well, there's full self-drive as well, isn't it? That's coming under massive regulatory Absolutely. scrutiny as well. That's just the other day that um, it, it was found that it travelled across a, a lane on a motorway and slammed on the brakes uh, for no reason whatsoever, which I can tell you, I've, I've got full self-drive. I can tell you. That's it does happened. It all the time. Yeah. It does it all yeah, the time. Yeah, it does time. it all it the could... time. Yeah, it could see a rock in the road and it will slam on the brakes. You know what I mean? It's yeah. uh, it, it, it's madness, really. It's frightening to have it on. I mean, I've had it before where it's forgotten to turn corners, but I actually think um, the 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 um, the braking is the worst thing because uh, it, it, it's it's frightening. It, it, it is a frightening thing, and you could see why that would cause accidents. But the problem is, is that. Look, I don't think this is a um, a, a Tesla only problem. I think full self drive is going to go through all of these kind of problems, but. But Elon has put himself and Tesla in the spotlight now, and he's kind mm -hmm. of a target there, waiting to be, you know, waiting to be brought down. And I think the the government will make an example of of uh, of Tesla in this full self driving, uh, releasing it when it probably shouldn't be released, making people pay for something that is in beta and is essentially being test. I think is something that probably shouldn't be allowed. And I would expect that the government will clamp down on this. And I this is part of my bear case moving forward. Is that I actually think Tesla are doing okay with the full self-driving. I think there's some aspects of it that work really, really well. But I just don't think... I think it's going to be in the political spotlight next year, and I think uh, it's an easy win for for some... for the Dem Well, it's an easy win for the Democrats, who pretty much all of their party hate Elon Musk right now. Yeah, what is that all about? I, I, I never really got that, but that, that also... Uh, gives him political clout as well and it gives him a lot to talk about a lot of you know random speculation that he can just randomly write on twitter and everybody believes all of a sudden he can put up really vague you know slightly insinuating posts on twitter and all of a sudden everyone just goes for this it isn't new. i mean this isn't new he yeah, called true. the british guy who tried to save the was it the thai kids who got stuck in the cave yeah, called him he a called pedo, him a pedo. He? you know what i mean like that, <laughs> that that didn't happen when he bought twitter that happened before this isn't that it's that uh, that this yeah. is not something he hasn't done before it's just been amplified by the fact that he now sees himself as the head of twitter and for some reason thinks he needs to tweet more um which yeah. you know the tesla shareholders Constantly. must be sat there going please stop stop tweeting because you're not very good at it. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. the, the problem is, is that he's alienated pretty much. I mean, like wading into a political debate when you have a, when you have a car company, that's, you know, the vast majority of your customers are, are left leaning people who see EVs as something that will save the world. Like going, wading into a political debate and going, 
goodbye, you people who buy my products. I'm going to reinstate yeah. the, you know, the, the patriarch of the other side of the political debate that you guys hate so, you know, so, so, so madly. It just feels like one of the stupidest ideas. We're going to like, it's one of those moments where like, you, you imagine the people on the, Shes the Tesla board of directors, if they actually had anybody with a backbone, would have been sat there just like, banging the hands against the heads going like these are our customers do you know what i mean and you're just you're and alienating I, I them i think that's the last thing isn't it without like trying to shit on elon too much it, uh, he doesn't realize he he doesn't know does he he's in a yes man bubble that's wrapped around him and he doesn't know that there's this little bit of bubble building up that i, I don't think i don't think the world hates him as such uh, you, you don't seem to be too much of a fan i'm, I'm still i'll still give him his dues you know he's, he's done wonderful things but right now he's acting like a bit of a child and he's a bit weird and the dave Chappelle th thing was clear that he did not realize that even people who go to Dave Chappelle shows don't really like him. Um, I just couldn't, I just couldn't believe that he, he didn't realize. And then to do the Twitter poll, uh, to ask whether he's gonna leave and he said he'll stand by it. And then obviously he doesn't like the outcome of that. So I think he did it twice, didn't he? And then, uh, on the, on the second time, the outcome still came out unfavorably for him. So he decided to say, I'll, I'll find someone when I'll find someone as stupid as me, basically. And what, what, what is he doing? Well, my prediction, uh, I think I made it a few weeks ago. I don't think he was actually on the show, Paul, but I said I think Twitter will be a Google, Facebook, or Amazon product within the next six to 12 months. That's not an official prediction, but I just thought, at the time, it looked like one just. It looked like a disaster. It was a disaster. It was proving to be a disaster, and it was getting worse day by day. That I just thought he was going to cut his losses on this, especially as the Tesla price kept coming down and down. He's getting closer and closer to that margin call. I thought he's just going to ship this off because he's just realised this is just. I mean, this is just not something he should be in control of. Um, and that has proven to be the case, but unfortunately he's going to give it off to somebody else uh, to run, which seems to me like they'll just be the front of the company and he'll be whispering their ears exactly what they've got to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not particularly impressed in that, but you know, we'll see. The, a lot of people are seeing this as an investment. So a lot of the Tesla Borgs were seeing the Twitter acquisition as an investment to say that this is going to be Tesla's main advertising arm. But he also needs to keep speech and therefore I assume he has to keep advertisers for other car companies on twitter as well so it it serves as a massive paradox uh the whole his, his whole story just seems serves as a whole massive paradox and i i just can't get behind him at the moment i i wanted to buy tesla i think at 120 130 um because i thought that was where the the discounted cash flow models go but with this with this competition creeping up and i'd love to hear your bear case here because i think you've got a very similar one to me although i haven't written it out probably as articulately as you have um and uh the i i just i just think there's there's too much uncertainty now to to give it such a premium yeah, I'd agree. I think, um, well, my my bet is that the PE will contract on it. I actually think Tesla's earnings will be okay going into the first quarter of next year, but I think from that point onwards, I think they're they're, they're going to get particularly particularly worse, uh, especially as the economy continues to unravel. But that's I won't go any more into that because it's going to completely spoil next week's show because I've already done an awful lot of it. 
So that's our review of the year, everybody. Merry Christmas, and we'll see you next week for our prediction reviews from last year and uh, our new predictions for 2023. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.